Good morning. Welcome to another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. Today I'm talking about when it is right to be dogmatic, when authoritative conviction really counts. It all goes back to hermeneutics. Now that's not a word you hear often inside churches. Sadly, in our watered-down state, preachers or pastors rarely use the big words anymore. If they do, they're kind of abashed or even apologize for saying theological words like justification or inerrancy. But hermeneutics is a battleground in our continued spiritual warfare against the schemes of the devil. So you must know what it is, and here it is, from the Compact Dictionary of Doctrinal Words, hermeneutics is defined from the Greek hermeneutikos, or just simply interpretation. Hermeneutics is the science of study and interpretation of scripture, the branch of theology that prescribes rules by which the Bible should be interpreted says the Compact Dictionary, biblical hermeneutics strives to formulate guidelines for studying scripture that help recover the meaning of a biblical text that it had for its original hearers. It's the end of the definition of hermeneutics. I found a couple good essays and a quote regarding hermeneutics that I came across that illuminate the practice of hermeneutics and illustrates the problems today with casual interpretation. Some practices that infiltrate the Christian life are like having life verses or asking, what does this verse mean to me? Now, first up, we have John MacArthur explaining the fallacy of teaching, what does this verse mean to me? Now, I read the essay, and it's good. I highly recommend it. The link will be in the show notes. It's an, uh, I'll read an excerpt from the MacArthur essay, What Does This Verse Mean to Me? Quote, well, that's a fashionable concern, judging from the trends in devotional booklets, home Bible study discussions, and Sunday school literature, and most popular preaching. The question of what scripture means has taken a back seat to the issue of what it means to me. And the difference may seem insignificant at first, but nevertheless, our obsession with scripture's applicability reflects a fundamental weakness. We've adopted practicality as the ultimate judge of the worth of God's word. End of MacArthur quote from the essay, what does this verse mean to me? So in just one sentence, MacArthur punctures that practice. We can't adopt a scripture because it has personal applicability to us and then dispense with other verses because they don't. Now, MacArthur continues in that essay, quote, no believer can apply truth he doesn't know. Those who don't understand what the Bible really says about marriage, divorce, 
family, child-rearing, discipline, money, debt, work, service to Christ, eternal rewards, helping the poor, caring for widows, respecting government, and other teachings won't be able to apply it. Those who don't know what the Bible teaches about salvation cannot be saved. Those who don't know what the Bible teaches about holiness are incapable of dealing with sin. Thus, they're unable to live fully to their own blessedness and God's glory. True doctrine transforms behavior as it's woven into the fabric of your everyday life. But it must be understood if it is to have its impact. The real challenge of the ministry is to dispense the truth clearly and accurately. That was the end of the MacArthur quote. And so you begin to see why Paul wrote to Timothy to watch his doctrine and his life. The two are inextricably tied. The more we understand what God expects, the more we live for the way he expects. Now, solid biblical hermeneutics or interpretation searches for the truth under the premise of what did God intend for me to know about himself in this passage versus today's practice of me-centered interpretations asking, what does this verse mean to me? The latter, what does this verse mean to me, leads to a false kind of open-mindedness regarding interpretation. Now, in theology, at some point, you need firmness not open-mindedness. At some point, your mind has to close over the truth, adopt it, and then live it. It's imperative to obtain a settled authoritative stance on at least the fundamentals of the faith. A lot of times people say, oh, don't be so dogmatic. Well, dogmatic theology gets its name from the Greek and Latin word dogma, which when you refer it to theology, simply means a doctrine or body of doctrines formally and authoritatively affirmed. That's it. So after you come to a settled conviction through proper interpretation of the Bible, you have a dogmatic theology, something that you are confident in and you can authoritatively affirm. Now, biblical hermeneutics, appropriately done, leads to an illumination of the scriptures, which leads to a spirit-settled understanding, which leads to an authoritative witness with conviction. Now, here, S. Lewis Johnson, in his sermon, Paul's Right to Compensation, said, And he highlighted the importance of dogmatism and compared the ridiculousness of open-minded non-dogmatism in the secular world. Now, S. Lewis Johnson said in his sermon, quote, Now, I've been talking like I'm dogmatic, haven't I? I've been trying to inject a little bit of the apostolic dogmatism in it. The world has little use for people without convictions. For example, when your child becomes very, very sick and you call a doctor, 
You don't call a doctor who is open-minded about personal disease, do you? Or we don't send our children to school if we know the teachers are open-minded about the multiplication tables, things like that. We don't do that. We want someone that we have confidence in. That was S. Lewis Johnson talking about dogmatism in his sermon, Paul's Right to Compensation. Now, I stumbled across another piece that was an excellent discussion of the science of the interpretation of law, not biblical law, but legal law. It's by Craig A. Parton. He was uh, from Patrick Henry College, and he is a Christian lawyer. And he seems to have written his piece uh, some years ago on the heels of some important Supreme Court decision. Parton's Um, essay is called Law and Culture, um, Justice Antonin Scalia versus the Postmodern Biblical Critic, and why it is not just a matter of your interpretation. Now, remember, hermeneutics is the science and study of the interpretation of scripture. Okay, there are rules for how we interpret the Bible, and of course, when you go to law school, they teach you prescribed rules for interpreting law as well. Some of these can be compared. Why are we content with leaving the interpretation of medical issues and legal issues to doctors and lawyers, intuitively understanding that their years of training allow them this right, but when it comes to the word of God, well, suddenly interpreting has no rules and we can just say whatever it means to me. That's wrong. That method only serves to confuse the Christian. Now, in Parton's article I mentioned a moment ago, um, he has three main points that I'm excerpting. Quote, the actual words control every interpretation of a text, and no interpretation should suffer to contradict the natural and plain sense of the text. He meant that in a legal um, situation, but we can apply that to the Bible. For example, I'll give you uh, an example of a plain and simple verse that should be easily interpreted. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Now, you would think everybody would understand and interpret that verse the same way, but people dispute. The interpretation of wages, they redefine sin, and they claim death is just annihilation, not eternal conscious torment. They also redefine and dispute eternal, as in eternal punishment, wrath, and refute other plain texts, such as women may not teach men in the church, or homosexuality is sin. They say, oh no, lack of hospitality is what is the sin. Yet, as mentioned, the plain meaning is clear, and that is the verse, that is the way you should interpret it if it's the plain meaning. The second point Mr. Upturney Parton makes in his essay is the meaning of a text should never be created from external sources, nor, we might add, from the pressure of current events or public opinion, and then imposed on a text 
to render a meaning contrary to the clear language. I'll read that again without the parenthetical part in the middle. The meaning of a text should never be created from external sources and then imposed onto a text to make a meaning contrary to the clear language. So when a text is clear on its face, that ends the matter, or it should. To then plumb the depths of secondary sources to impose a meaning contrary to it would be to engage in pure divinization. Lord Bacon summed this up in the Latin and translated his Latin motto was, interpretation that departs from the letter of the text is not interpretation, but divination. I love that. Interpretation that departs from the letter of the text is not interpretation, but divination. Now, when we say what this verse means to me, particularly about a clear, plain textual meaning, it is an interpretation coming from an external source, which means outside the word of God. The third principle that Parton outlines in his comparison of biblical interpretation and legal interpretation is, number three, there is one best interpretation of a passage. That's it. So if you're sitting around in a small group and someone says, what does this verse mean to you? And six people interpret it differently. Well, five of them are wrong, or maybe even all six. Traditional biblical interpretation stresses the one proper and intended sense of the text. And this is determined from the words of it. Well, does a pastor ascend the pulpit on a Sunday morning after a week of study and say, open to John chapter 3. Here is what the verse means to me. It might mean something different to you. No. Well, not a good pastor anyway. Would never say that. In contrasting what this verse means to me approach with a true biblical approach, let's turn to Acts 26.40 for an example. The Spirit directed Philip the evangelist to go up to the Ethiopian eunuch who was seated in his chariot reading scripture. He was reading Isaiah 53, as it turns out. How did Philip begin the teaching lesson? Did Philip say to the Ethiopian eunuch, oh, I see you are reading scripture. What does the verse, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, mean to you? Well, of course not. Philip did not begin it that way. We read in Acts 8, 30 and 31 that Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? Well, this indicates there is one understanding, not many understandings dependent on personal applicability or whether the reader likes it or how it fits into their current culture. In humility, the eunuch said, how can I unless someone guides me? Indicating that interpreting a verse is not about a mutual exchange of different interpretations, 
relative to your individual meaning, but a teacher-student relationship where one person submits to the other's greater knowledge and listens and learns. We saw that with Apollos submitting to Aquila and Priscilla to learn the way more accurately. What happened next in the Ethiopian eunuch scene in Acts 35 was, quote, Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, told him the good news about Jesus. Hmm. Well, Philip told him. He told him dogmatically, meaning authoritatively. That's what a teacher does. He studies, submits to himself to the spirit, and seeks the interpretation. Then he tells it. Do we say, I will share the good news. It's good news to me. Maybe it won't be to you. Heavens no. If a judge in a legal situation is duty-bound to search the documentation until he can offer a delivery of the authoritative interpretation, how much more so should we do that with the scriptures? Now, rounding toward home here, I'll say, it's not to say we aren't humble. Dogmatism doesn't mean not being humble. Philip was humble when he submitted to the Spirit's order to go where he didn't know and approach the person he didn't know and explain the scriptures to him. And the eunuch was also humble in his reply We are all humble before the Spirit who illuminates the Bible to us. But the Bible is perspicacious or clear. The difference between errant dogmatism and correct dogmatism is your hermeneutical interpretation and submitting to the Spirit. The Spirit will illuminate He will settle you. He will lead you into all truth if you earnestly seek the Lord and submit to his teaching. Once a passage or doctrine is settled in your mind due to the Spirit's illumination, then it's the time to explain it and exhort and defend. Well, this has been another episode of the End Time Blog podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. Thank you for listening. This one was a little more complicated. It's on a blog if you want to read it, or you can always listen again. And thank you for listening. I really appreciate my listeners and my readers. Have a great day.